I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. As long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. Back once again with another podcast. Um, I don't know what episode number we're on now, but uh, we're just rolling with it. Um, I've, I've no, like 78. <laughs> no, we're in the 80s, I know that. Um, returning guest again, um, back by popular demand. <laughs> the boy Raver. <laughs> um, honestly, mate, I loved the last episode that we did. Um, I got a lot of messages off, off people within the scene saying, I'm glad you got Sean on. Cause, yeah. Because you're not directly involved in... The bouncing because you've got you, you cover so much mm. that like you've because because you, you're well known for, for your old school you're well known for your, your house music and, and as i say you do your bounce stuff as well which i do want to get into um i think people were buzzing when they when, when the scene it's like oh yes let's, let's get into this story because you've got a bit of a um, you've got a long history and doing so much different things you've done promotion you've done uh your dj and production you've traveled and you've and, radio host as well you've done that yeah we're going to get into all of that so we finished up you you corrected me on this we finished up your story in about 2003 last time yeah. so before we get into all that i want to ask you what did you have for tea last night i knew that was going to be the first <laughs> question uh and me and my partner um lisa who's present uh, right now he's not he's in shots now uh we went to uh we didn't have tea but we had a like a late sort of lunch and we went yeah. to a, a, a fantastic Michelin star restaurant in Selby Bridge which is uh, Selby Bridge is where they film Happy Valley is it? Yes. I didn't know that either yeah yeah there it, we go. it's basically there it's a place called Engine right. and it's absolutely amazing but it's like um, when I say like it's Michelin star it's not Michelin star prices and it's like we, it's kind of like a, a modern take on tapas yeah um, I absolutely love it um, so basically, like I didn't even need a tea after that. Um, although technically, uh, I brought on two vegetarian pizzas last night as well. So, <laughs> well, you beat it around the bush. What, what was it you actually had then? Right. Oh bloody hell! Right. Um, kind of like this cauliflower ball, like cauliflower balls. It's the yeah. only way I can describe them. Yeah. Uh, potatoes, bravas. We had the, these parmesan chips. Uh, they're not actually chips. They're kind of like. Um, Kind of like like soft potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That nice. that that are covered in parmesan and and stuff like that. We had um, I can't remember what else was 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 on there, but we love it. Um, like we had heritage uh, carrots and yeah. like a, a meal around that, and I I loved it. Absolutely amazing. As far as what did you have for tea last night? Questions, because I think that's the most interesting answer we've had yet in the whole time. It's usually uh, fish and chips. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You give us, you give me a, a, a thing. I'm slightly jealous. Um, as I said, two days ago, I told you off the camera. Off camera, uh, my wife gave birth to our second child. So yesterday, I went to the hospital at eight in the morning. She's still in there, and I was there until kicking out time about eight at night. Yeah. So I had. Uh, a cheese toasty from the canteen. Um, oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I had a che cheese toasty from the canteen and uh, I had a Costa coffee. So um, I just turned this keyboard off. No worries. One second before I hit it again. Go on. Uh, I'm, ge I, I'm genuinely jealous because, I mean, uh, and then my little lad came in and he goes, oh, I've been to McDonald's as well. So I was like, yeah, I couldn't even have a McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? It's not like... Do you know what the mad thing is around here? You can't actually get a McDonald's. I can believe I that. I'm in the middle of nowhere. 
in in a, a village called Rippenden. Yeah. Um, which is part of Selby Bridge, and you, it, like your nearest is six miles away. Right. I drove down you, here today. You can't even go on Just Eat or Eber Eats. And it's for... beautiful, by the way. Like yeah. I rang my missus before and said, I'm just going to go and do this podcast now. And basically just said, listen, I could retire here. Like, it's like, yeah, the, the it's... <laughs> architecture and everything's really nice, isn't it? It's everything's like... lovely. Everything is absolutely lovely around here. And uh, like I said, you wake up, smell the fresh air. Yeah. Um, only downside is... Only downside is, uh, when it comes to... takeaways. Like, yeah, <laughs> takeaways, and when you need essentials past 10 o'clock, um, you're knackered, pretty um, much. To be honest, where I'm from, mate, you can't get anything past ten o'clock anyway. Well, you're it's... you're from Cumbria, yeah, right? That's yeah. the problem. Well, basically, like I, I I know Cumbria reasonably well, yeah. and uh, like I said, again, I think I've name checked to quite a bit in interviews. Uh, Nicola Fowler, who was one of the first people that bought uh, the Boy Raver album, there. Yeah. Uh, she was the the actual first person to to buy Boy Raver, and like she she tells me about Alverston. Yeah. In in. Cumbria. Um, See, in Ulverston, I can, I, don't quote me on this, but I can almost guarantee you it's a place where if if you try and go out after 10 o'clock, you won't get to a supermarket. There's, not, there's yeah, nothing there's open nothing, at all. Yeah. Absolutely nothing anywhere. So you need to be prepared if you... If you you see a lot of people who like have a drink in the house and with the mates and stuff, and it's like there's nowhere to buy a drink. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like they're waiting until like ten o'clock the next morning to be able to go and get beers again. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um... So I want to get straight back into it, if that's all yeah, right. Yeah, uh, fine. Question from the last guest, who was Kenny Hayes, who you oh. said. Yeah, so um, I just, he just wants to uh, ask you this. Question for Sean. Um, what's your biggest a- achievement as a producer? Uh, oh. Um, bloody hell. The last, last track I made. What was that? Because you're only as good as the, yeah, the last yeah, track you made. I get that, yeah. Um, hang on. Well, I'll tell you what, let's bang it on. Uh, probably this, which is... It's actually, the session's up there. I've got, a, like, a, a master on it now. But uh, it is... Hang on. Let's go into my drive. Uh, jump in the line. Jump in the line, what's that? Uh, it's a rework of a Harry Belafonte track. Uh, old school, proper old basically, school. Basically, I've managed to sort of get like a semi-master on this now and I'm like anyway um, like I said I, I, I like stuff that's just really quirky I like making yeah. quirky stuff I don't see the point in making stuff yeah. that isn't sort of like weird or quirky or different so I got your USB about I don't know it must have been about 18 months ago yeah. now um, and I was going through some of the tunes on it and I was just like some of your choices of remixes are very like obscure do you know what I mean yeah um, I'm sure I heard like a remix of I could be wrong. Is it, did you do Water Boys? Hole yeah, Hole of the Moon. Yeah, Hole of the Moon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's a very obscure club track to to, to, to do. Do you know what I mean? To make into a club track. Well, I tried, what I tried to do with Hole of the Moon, uh, and I mean this is there's a very sentimental story behind me doing Water of the Moon. <laughs> Water of the Moon. Hole of the Moon, um, and it involves um, basically my 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 partner Lisa's. Um, dad's favourite track I All started right. working on it and of all the tunes I could have picked I picked that one <laughs> yeah. but uh, Hole of the Moon I tried to make it a bit I had a, another track in mind when I did it which was Tarja Savelle's version of Sympathy for the Devil I tried yeah. to make it a bit like a like a stand up clap sort of thing and but 
I just thought I'd make it a little bit different, kind of like I know a Dennis Ferrer yeah. sort of tip. Um, because I, I just reference classic dance music all the time. What would you say is the most obscure record that you've done then, in your opinion? Sob Jones looking out my window. I don't even know that tune, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't. I'm not a massive Tom Jones fan, so I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but what, what was obscure, would you say, about it? Is it just because of the choice of song of the original? Or? Yeah, it's just... Do you, do you know where it comes from? Um, like I, I, When I was sort of like growing up, um, there was this great DJ mix called The Document by Andy Smith, and mm. he mixes in Tom Jones because there's a big break in, in that like a, a break beat that comes in about what about a minute and a half in there mm. um, and that's why it became a cult record and I've always liked the record I think it's a fantastic track I'll have to check uh, that and that's why I, I chose to do it I thought I'll, I'll put my own stamp on it uh, it's from an EP that I'm probably going to reissue actually now you brought it up yeah. um, called the Old Rave Whistle Test um, which is a take on the old grey I, I get that yeah, uh, yeah basically yeah. like I've done I like a remix that. of Elvis Presley Suspicious Minds Class. as Boy Raver and I've done Tom Jones I think I've done um, The Who and um, what's it Don't Cry Don't Rage I can't remember uh, Barbara O'Reilly yeah Barbara O'Reilly yeah, yeah. that one uh, I love the chords in that the, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's that, iconic that I mean if you, if you, if, I'd say somebody that you need to speak to is Steve Gorton from Awesome 3 because he owns all the analog synths that the Who used to have and like oh, I said wow. that, 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 the, the arpeggiator in yeah, that yeah. wow just Excellent. honestly it's just amazing another fun fact I'm, I'm an I'm official member of the of the Elvis Presley fan club <laughs> I, I, I love Elvis I, I do, love man. Elvis I do. Uh, and I love cheeseburgers so yeah. <laughs> that's it's sad and, isn't and, it and, and sitting on toilets and hoping yeah. I don't die yeah so it's, <laughs> it's, it's great isn't it uh Legend in his own time, uh, yeah. pioneer as well. I think as well. I, I, I love Elvis for, for so many reasons. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so I want to get into this as well. This this whole um, studio that you just you just said right. I'm going to build a studio, yeah. and that's it, that, that's that. well. This came up randomly. Um, I what happened is I started selling records for um, an old doorman right. from Darley Lounge. Right. right, and it didn't work out that well. But at the time, I thought, Jesus, I'm gonna have to house a shitload of records. And Stu's got the barbers upstairs, mm-hmm. and I said to Stu, like, said, can I, can I take on downstairs? And you know what I mean? Like, can I, can I sublet or not sublet, but sort of like, um, can, can I come and sort of like get involved? And I'd already been barbering mm-hmm. upstairs, really, with with, with Stu, um, and that didn't work out. And then I thought, sod it, this room is just a, like a perfect studio size. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me a lot of uh, Lee Monteverdi's room in mm-hmm. All Around the World uh, yeah. when it was at Reedy's yeah. in Blackburn. And Nice setup they had there as well. Yeah, I it's oh, I, I, I love going into Reedy's and, mm-hmm. and going upstairs. And I preferred it when, when you got a track signed and you walked downstairs and you had a <laughs> check in your hand and you're like, which one? Yeah. But, which one was his, his room? So you go in. Right, basically you, you go in, Kenny's was on the right. Yeah. You come upstairs, Kenny's on the right. Yeah. Lee Monteverdi's in the middle, the main office. The middle, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Joe and Fiona and Matt and Chris okay. was in the main, in there. And I'll tell you, like, I'm not... I, absolutely serious right i've caught certain producers yeah. halfway up the stairs listening to kenny and lee and what they're doing <laughs> i'm absolutely seriously yeah 
Uh, and I can't name. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You probably uh, guess. Inspiration, though. It's a good inspiration. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, they, basically, you get all the producers there. They buy all the records in Reedy's, all the donk tunes yeah. and, and stuff. And I, I, I used to love going in Reedy's. But yeah, they they go halfway up the stairs and go like, what's Kenny doing? Yeah. <laughs> Keep an idea yeah. on for him. Excellent. I like that. I like that. So, um, yeah, so you built this studio. Um, and what what's the sort of aim with it then? What, you, what you're doing? Right. My my ultimate aim, personally, uh, I've got loads of aims. Mm. Uh, bear in mind, there's a, a second ream in there as well, mm-hmm. um, and potentially a third ream in a partition. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, I'm making a living from selling records on commission, mm-hmm. um, and what I'm doing is basically instead of like people going into a record shop and getting like ten p for the records or whatever. What I'm doing is I'm taking them on sale or return mm-hmm. kind of thing, like a basis, but on like a commission basis, I'll house them, list them. That's good. I like and that. And basically, I take fifty percent cut. Mm-hmm. And what I do is also included in the cut is posting and getting stuff away. And like my idea, my philosophy really is, um, if I've got five record collections together on that kind of basis, it's easier to sell logistically five record collections together mm-hmm. on discogs and get the actual money yeah, that, yeah, that you sense. get rather than actually just going in in vinyl exchange or sorry i, I don't mean to be disrespectful to to, to vinyl x but you know to anybody that are buying a collection for you you know and, and you get absolutely nothing mm. do you know what i mean and i get my drink on that mm-hmm. and that's it that's my that's excellent i like i like the the, the idea behind yeah. it there's definitely a gap uh, in the market the, now there's that Basically, we're going to turn the back room into a podcasting area. Oh, excellent. I like um, it. Uh, basically, we're, we're going to look at uh, doing things for Northern Rave scene, which I got involved in, um, we'll get into that when, in when, well. when I moved in you know, here. Yeah. And um, in the main room, we're looking at running a 24-7 dance radio station. Oh, wow. I like that as well. Um, Big plans, eh? <laughs> yeah, we've got massive plans. It's going to take time. Yeah. But, you know, we've got the ball rolling. I don't think I've ever been this more productive in my life. Um, it's been, I'm, I'm well known for sort of like, uh, you know, working really, really hard. But I've had sort of like five years off. Yeah. Uh, five years where I've kind of like not really, I think COVID had a lot to do with it. And Yeah. Well, um, I'll be honest with you. I, I was um, quite shocked of how quickly your tunes you turn over on tunes. If you decide you want to do a tune, you can get it done in like an afternoon. I, I know straight, less than an afternoon. Mm. Uh, if I've got an idea, I could do four tracks in a day quite easily. I know exactly wow. how, how things build and, you know, it's mm. it, it's not rocket science. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, but um, down here, what I really, really want to start working on, like my, um, my absolute ambition in life is I want to create, I want to start producing sort of like indie stroke rock Stroke possibly metal, stroke possibly rap acts. Okay. Really, I want to start a label where I just find talent and just do really, really weird. Just work with them and not not weird, but like you know, just like great new music. Yeah. Very similar to a, there was a label that I was really into years ago called Mowax, right? Uh, run by a guy called James Lavelle, and uh, like Mowax, um, they are quite well known for just 
crossing all the genres of music. And I'm, I'm really into an artist called uh, Self Esteem. Right. Uh, and that kind of like changed my direction. Uh, in fact, I've got her album signed uh, behind me in the studio. Right. Um, and like, I, I heard a, a record called, um, oh, what's it called now? Look up, look back. It's a brilliant record. Uh, I, I, I do this. Uh, so where's she from? I do this sorry? All the time. Uh, Sheffield. Oh wow! Right. And she used to be in uh, an indie band years and years ago, and like went solo. And I heard that record. It just changed my life completely. And I just thought, do you know what? This is where you want to be. And I want to get bands in this studio recording and making really really crossover music that, yeah. that is different that, that is completely original that's exactly the opposite of boy raver which is like boy raver is like take an acapella get a piano in chuck it in and sound, i sound really passionless mm. uh, you know like in, in saying that but actually no there's a lot of passion in boy raver but it's that's my absolute goal in life um mm. to start a record label and start recording bands here and putting musicians together. Yeah. Um, I don't think um, it's, it comes across as passionless. I, d I think it's because you're excited about one venture yeah. and it's like you've you've done yeah. this for X amount yeah. of years and stuff like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I don't think it's passionless. I just think it's you, you, you're that creative that it's um, it's this direction and this direction and, and there's just so many different avenues to, to go down. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So are you, are you engineering for anybody? Are you offering engineering services out? Um... <laughs> I might as well be, be be frank. Actually, I'm quite open to ghost mixing tracks that sound similar to Boy Raver. Uh, I do have to pay the rent, mm -hmm. um, yeah, which yeah, yeah. you know, there's no shame in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as well, like I so said, what I tend to do with that kind of thing is I prefer rather than that um, somebody book me out for a day's production, um, and I'm quite reasonable, really reasonable rate actually. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually teach them whilst I'm doing it, which is actually very similar to a guy called Nick Hussey, yeah. who sort of taught me a lot of stuff. And what I do, rather than, like, so years ago when I couldn't use software, I've always been able to sort of, like, play instruments and stuff. Yeah. But rather than do that, uh, Nick would actually show me and he'd explain everything that he was doing to me. Yeah. Uh, sorry, doing to me, doing, doing for me. Yeah. Um, and I would learn from that. I think a lot of engineers like to to hide the secrets because um, it keeps uh, their their revenue uh, going, doesn't it? Like it's oh, like fuck if them. I honestly fuck them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That 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 kind of thing, that kind of attitude is the reason that that we've not got real musicians and mm. and real producers. Do you know something? I'd rather if, if if it was the slightest secret that I gave away in the studio. Mm. And that person goes on and has a massive dance tune. Now I go and play then in a club. Mm. I'd be shouting from the rooftops. Yeah, class. I, I like it. Yeah. But uh, as I say, a lot of people would like uh, if you come down to it. It's like right. Well, they've got this customer once a month. They know they're going to get a consistent. They're going to produce one tune for them a month. Why tell them the secrets when they can keep earning from it? At the same time, I think it's there's no problem with going in with somebody like yourself. Come in watch how, how you make the tune, and then from there, you'll be able to, right, oh, I'll pick this up, I'll pick this up. Oh, so that's but how your process keeps it's, it's and, similar and, to, it, there's a, it's, it's a biblical quote, isn't it? Uh, what is it? Um, give a man a fish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, do you know what? If you're nice to people, and you teach people, and inspire people, do you know what? They'll inspire other people. They'll say, go to Sean. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's my attitude. That's my... 
you know why why should you hold back music and musicians yeah you know what I mean get the best out of them right uh, I want to sort of cycle back as well if that's alright yep. uh, we didn't really cover this last time but I, I want to talk about where the, the sort of Boy Raver thing come from and what was the uh, idea Ooh. behind it right Boy Raver right and the name as well where did the uh... Boy, right can I start off by saying Boy Raver was originally Boy Ravers okay right, right. And it was an offshoot of Trip Babies, which right. was me and Cy Edwards. Okay. Me and Cy Edwards had a fallout in, I think it was about 2000. And in fact, we're on 12 years of Boy Raver now. Uh, we had a fallout over a track. <laughs> Got to choose my words here because I'm really good mates with Cy now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, I'm really proud of Cy and yeah. what he's doing. So I don't, I don't want him to think I'm... Um, being in any way sort of like negative oh no it's just the past him. isn't it but we, we, we had a fallout back then over something and like we, we did one track as an offshoot of Trick Babies called Boy Ravers right. and we did a remix of Seek Bromance um, which was the Avicii yeah, yeah. and is it Amanda Wilson or something yeah. Amanda uh, Seek Bromance is, it's, uh, it was yeah. when he was using the Tim Berg yeah. earlier wasn't yeah, it yeah Tim Berg yeah, but yeah. yeah it was that and we did a, a rework of that which ends up on Boreva Volume 1, the album there. Yeah. Um, we did that, and it was all right, and then they did uh, a couple more, and then we had this sort of fallout. Yeah. And then we sort of made up, and Cy, were, we, we'd already sort of been sort of like rocky anyway mm. for the last few months um, before that. And he had an opportunity to go and work with the likes of Will I Am and you yeah. know, that, that kind of thing. And... I, there was a possibility I could have gone and it just wasn't for me and I wasn't enjoying that kind of music. Yeah. Um, okay. So me and Cy split uh, yeah. as Trick Babies um, <clears throat> and what I ended up doing was I couldn't stand like Nicki Minaj and all that kind of stuff. It was just horrible, horrible music. And he was doing the visual side of, of that kind of thing, which is absolutely fine if you're doing the visuals. Mm -hmm. This horrible music. And I thought, do you know what? I'm sick of playing this fucking shit. <laughs> and I thought, do you know what? If I've got to play this this absolute garbage fucking shite like LMFAO and that kind of stuff. Yeah let's remix it the way that you want to do. But also as well, there was a hunger because I kind of missed out on um, being a producer in the mid-90s when it was all the music that I wanted to make right. and never came out. And I thought, do you know something? Hybrid, um, sort of take what you wanted to do and fuse it with what's popular, what, what, now, what's popular yeah. now. And it just sort of took off. Yeah. It, it, you know, and th that was it. You know, what was the first tune with that ethos then? Uh, that that was the Seek Bromance thing, yeah. um, which is there, and it's like a horrible. You know, I listen back to it; it's embarrassing. It's you yeah. know just like rave stabs and and all sorts. But yeah. um, I mean, the, the the what I started doing was developing Boy Raver from that, and I remember the, the first sort of time that I, I thought stop remixing stuff and do your own stuff was I did no good for me. Um, which if you listen to that track no good for me uh, which well, I'll get it up now mm. right I made it and there's not a single bar in the whole track that is the same 
what do you mean by that then? Basically, the whole piano is completely unique. There's not a single bar oh, right, I see in I mean, the whole yeah. thing. And it's like, uh, I'll only play a clip, but uh, if you listen back to Boy Raven, no good for me. It's like, and it's influenced by the Italian stuff. And yeah. this is like a guy called Savaro Lombardoni who ran Disco Magic that I eventually yeah. sort of signed to. That's when I started taking Boy Raven seriously and yeah. thinking, stop remixing. And It reminds me of... Um, <clears throat> like I wouldn't say it's quite jazzy, but like it's it's very uh, uh, avant-garde type. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. just just play around with it. It reminds me of. Um, do you know the prodigy uh, Your Love? Yeah, uh, which I've I've actually got Your Love um, there on the CD single. Oh yeah, on yeah. the wall on the wall. <laughs> Class tune. <laughs> well, the the original was it the original uh, mix that they did, I believe, and it's got the the the, the bridge in the middle with the piano, and it's yeah. just, just yeah, 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 that. It's just, it's very similar to that. If you, if you get me, do you know what I mean? It's not, Liam Howlett's a fantastic musician. Yeah, uh, yeah. and a brilliant producer. Yeah, obviously he must be an inspiration if he's on the walls. You know yeah, I mean? no, <laughs> no, absolutely. Like I said, the whole wall is just full of inspirational stuff, and mm. like I said, I've got bizarre ink on the wall. Bassers, Lisa, Lisa, alternate, all LFO, of, uh, yeah. source. You know, fantastic, fantastic. FBI projects as well. Who have just remixed. Um, so you got the Boy Rave album done. Was that was that what was the the, the idea behind it? We're just going to comp like but a compilation of what happened is um, I started producing my own stuff properly. Yeah, uh, like I produced for ages. Um, I produced for a good five years and, and not really remixed stuff. But like I done, we done tell the DJ in a boat called Noah um, as Trip Babies, um, which I'd done myself. And it wasn't, you know, it was all right, but. Um, I was working at a DJ shop in Manchester called uh, Reflex. Right. Um, later to be Soundbase Megastore. Mm -hmm. And what happened is my boss and my friend Andy Cleek heard what I was doing. And he said, I'll like make 20 tracks. I'll put them out on a CD. Nice. And that's, that's nice. what I did. And then we did three albums. Excellent. I've got, I've actually got. I think I've got two and three. To be yeah. honest with you, I think you've uh, there's no ones. copies anywhere of Volume One. It's on Discogs now, right. um, and they've not had a copy for about three years. Right. I've not even. I've only got one copy. I've yeah. only got that copy there. Well, I've I've got two and three and all that because yeah. I've, I've had them. I, I prefer number three, me. Um, but I'm, there's a ridiculous amount of copies. If you go on Void Records, yeah. Uh, if you what a copy of Volume Three, um, I don't profit from that. Andy Cleek does. And I think he, uh, you know, deserves it. Uh, I mean, Andy is one of those people that's had so much faith in me. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird how me and Andy sort of like gelled in, in the end and became, you know, like. We worked together and, and become mates, and it's. Uh, I got stranded in Ibiza in 2000. I'd, I'd already known Andy yeah. years and years ago, like from when I was DJing, and Andy was running the Garland's boat parties in Ibiza, and I got stranded in Ibiza. Right, um, and I've literally. I'm, I'm at a point where where I'm, I'm looking at sleeping on the beach and wondering how the fuck I get home. Yeah, and then Andy Cleek just turns up with his brother Anthony and says oh just stay at mine <laughs> and I literally we got talking and before I knew it he said uh, oh this job I'd, like, I'd, I'd just uh, been made redundant as a school teacher yeah. said um, like oh there's a job going at a record shop do you want it yeah. I'm like I'm literally I was in work on Monday morning <laughs> that's good I like that I like that <laughs> and we carry on working you know, off and on 
mm. carry on working. It's one of, one of the best working relationships I, I certainly ever had. So I believe in 2000 and, let me see, 2015, I think you ran the Exposure event. Uh, you booked me for that. Right, um, Exposure, by the way. Mm-hmm. God, you, you could do an whole episode on Exposure. Yeah. Exposure, by the way, was exactly 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I know where you're coming from, by the way. Yeah. Um, Exposure started exactly 10 years ago uh, on the 29th of November 2013. Yeah. But you played on mine. 2015, I think 15, it was. Yeah. Which was... Tell you what, exposure. Um, oh, where do I go from? Lisa was involved in exposure. Yeah. So, what was the, Where do you start from there? Like you said, so right. it was in two thousand and thirteen. What was the the idea behind it? Right, I can't tell you the full idea. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. There's, there's a very good reason I can't tell you the full reason. Okay. Um, <laughs> what I will say is, we needed to make a lot of money very quickly. Yeah. And bowlers, um, we. We, we got a link in bowlers and basically it was like a 10 grand deposit. Yeah. And I've got a really, I've got to really choose my words here. 10 grand deposit and we tried to book a load of DJs. Yeah. The, the, you know, big DJs. None of them had play. And I, being a very sarcastic person that I am, um, I noticed at the time um, there was another venue in Manchester and what they were doing was a, a pay-to-play scheme. Oh, so, yeah, I remember yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so I thought, do you know something? If we're going to do that, why not put on the biggest pay-to-play undiscovered talent hmm. event going and actually do it properly and give people ex- exposure? Hmm. Uh, and that's how exposure actually came about and we shouldn't have done another and we shouldn't have done the third actually to be fair because we they, we we didn't make a penny off of any of them and the this honestly I, it will appear in a book at some point what actually happened with exposure i can't tell you fully Okay, that's fine. Uh, that's it fine. will appear in a book at some point, either by me or by Andy Cleek, right. or by possibly Simon Calderley from right. Bowlers. So uh, th- th- there's only so much I can tell you. That's fine. That's fine. That's no problem. <laughs> I mean, this goes out on the internet, so you've got you, you've got to be careful what you say. It's, it's yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, <laughs> all I'll say is thank, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I got to play that bowlers no, that once. It's it brilliant. Was, you you were in the bounce room, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're in. Uh, I love playing bowlers, and I love it. I love what Andy's done with bowlers. It's, yeah. it's amazing, and you know, it's it's the future. I love what he's done, like more with the conventions and. Well, you were saying to me about last time we were on. So obviously they do the Star Wars convention and stuff like that. Yeah. But they would they would do it. You said they did the Curry Festival, and it was yeah, like you were DJing at the Curry Festival. Honestly, like, like the, my favourite is the um, Scar Festival. Yeah. Uh, which I absolutely love, and there's a documentary that that I made for Andy uh, that's on YouTube, which is the Great Northern Scar. I think it's called Scarred for Life. I think I called it, which dodgy right. title, uh, where I got to interview like Don Penn and like uh, Neville Staple from the um, from the the specials and Pauline Black from um, the Selector, who was probably the worst interview. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> she was an absolute nightmare. Uh, I couldn't say she was so arrogant. Mm. I, I mean, I've interviewed you know Kylie, not people like that yeah, that, yeah. That, are, that actually are. You know, really, really like big star. Mega star, and yeah, like yeah. she's the most arrogant person I've ever dealt with. 
Because some people think that their level is the highest level, mate. That's what it is. It's, you know, at the end of the day, she was Sue's mate on the on the Sutty show. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I said, like, you know, I, I could have you know, stuck, stuck the knife in, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but there's no need to actually treat people as journalists yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? And, and I like, she just felt to me like I was a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you did the, the exposure things. What other other sort of events? Because you were doing was it the bounce back as well? Right. Well, what, what happened? Was right. Really, with uh, with Darley. Uh, I mean, I I, I never got. I, I was never a big fan of promoting. I'm not mm. a, a, a particularly good promoter. I'm not really into that kind of thing, really. Unless I sort of see something that's a bit different, and you know, and, and, and do it's it not that just way. another club night. Sort of but thing. basically, uh, Darley Lounge Friday night. We couldn't fill the club. Mm -hmm. Right, it was dead, and I thought, what I've been doing on Saturday nights because uh, I used to do Fridays and Saturday nights at Darley Lounge, mm. and Saturdays were rammed. And what I started doing towards the end of the night, I was starting to go into like old school dunk mm -hmm. stuff, and then I'd even got to a point where I started making my own um, under under the pseudonym Smack Rat, mm -hmm. which was uh, S M K R, and then the at symbol. From a keyboard, yeah, yeah. like literally, it was almost sarcastic to start with, and then I started carrying on playing all these old sort of like bounce tunes. And we're, we're going back again, like long before, like um, sort of like the the, the bounce scene kind of like yeah. came back. Um, and I noticed on Saturday night was, there's like a proper hunger for it, and you know we were doing really really well at the end of the night. I thought, do you know what? Friday nights, well, I'll do something called bounce back, mm. uh, and then. Battery's running low. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I started doing that. I just thought, why don't you actually turn it into a night? And I got like, um, you know, like Mikey B and Ben T down and yeah. um, Pete Monsoon, who lives down the road, actually. Pete, yeah. Pete lives down the road. Um, we've got um, bloody Kenny A's played. Absolutely everyone that I could get. Rob Kane was mm -hmm. my resident, who's best DJ in the world, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't disagree, mate. Absolutely, the best DJ in the world, Rob Kane. Mm. Um, and you know I, I, that it worked for a while, and then obviously, sort of like other bounce nights took over, and yeah. like I said, it kind of dipped off, and which I was expecting. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, I've, I've, I've done the odd nights here and there, but I'm not not massively into club promotion. It's yeah. it's just not my thing. I don't really like being. I don't particularly like standing um, on the street, bloody trying to get people in clubs and stuff like that. I'd yeah. rather be on the decks and, I get that, and actually I get do that. it. I'm, I'm, I've always been a resident DJ. It's I two don't different like, skills, isn't it? Yeah. Altogether, yeah. Yeah, I've always been a resident DJ. I've always been somebody that likes to start from you know literally go mm. start to finish and do like long sets and mm. you know I've done anything up to like fourteen hours and yeah, that's, that's, that's mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, you say that, but then you you you, you started doing the Northern Rave scene uh, yeah. events, um, and something really caught my eye about them. It was like it was like limited capacity, and it was yeah. Yeah, well interesting. Basically, it's um, it's half a mile up the road from mm -hmm. the studio. What happened? Like I said, I moved back here would have been what nearly two years ago now, mm -hmm. and um, I lived here, you know, many many years ago. Um, and then moved to Ashton Underline 
um, because you know, I'd set up with my partner there and uh, I've, I've got a DJ residency and, and stuff. And like, I was there for like 20 years, sold the house and things weren't great for me mentally. Mm. And I thought, I'll move back home. I'll move back here. And I met one night, it was Easter Thursday, right? And I was in our only decent pub. Okay. Uh, bear in mind, like I said, it's a very small village. And I meet um, Hannah Timmons, who is basically sort of like runs sort of like PR and things like that. Basically, social media is a yeah, yeah. sort of thing. And we get talking one night, and it's Easter Thursday, and literally it's like chucking out time at the pub. And uh, she says, Oh, there's a guy here that um, you really need to meet. It's called uh, Andy Rawson. Mm-hmm. Andy DJ Lippy. Mm hmm who is the most talented person I've ever met in my life. Yeah, isn't that good? good? Yes. Uh. Absolutely. It was fate. Uh, basically, it turns out, Andy has turned... He's actually a farrier, Andy. I don't even know what that is, man. That's farrier. not my vocabulary, that. Shoe, <laughs> like, long and short, shoes, shoes horses. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, like a, a farrier, and um, he's got a unit that's massive, and what he did is turn the side part into a, a small little space for us to have little mini raves. Yeah. And I got on board, met Andy, got on really, really well. And we like we now produce together as Northern Rave Scene. And yeah. it's brilliant. And Andy gets, uh, like, I get on board with Andy. And we start building this movement between us all. And it turns out from two or three people into house music in this little tiny village yeah. turns out Stu the barber upstairs yeah. um, is also a DJ yeah. turns out bloody um, Ben Miller Hannah's partner is also a DJ yeah. we've got um, Terry who's also a DJ and also in this small tiny little village that probably holds what, what less than a thousand people there's yeah. like 20 of us Right. And we started off and rave scene. Excellent. Excellent. What are the odds on that actually happening? Yeah. Just because you're sure, like, every, how passionate people are about music and stuff like it, that, though, you know what I mean? It is. Uh, so what we've done, we've, we've completely built this club from scratch. We've all been there night after night, mm. you know, like, actually you know, doing the renovations. And, and like I said, we've got so many plans for Northern Rave Scene now, which involves, like, a, a, a radio station app, um, podcasting, um studio Precise. stuff everything we've we've got the like it's limitless really and um, i mean it's really kick-started my ambition i've got kind of got you know it's taken me a long time to get my my sort of like passion for life back and mm. and stuff and it's just brilliant excellent i love it i love that so what what sort of because obviously you've you've run an event already because you had Rob down, didn't you, for, yeah. for an event? So what's the what was the, what's the design of it? You, is it like it's it's intimate, small, and well, it's tiny. Um, literally, we're, we're we're sort of like eight to one two five, and actually quickly. Um, in fact, I could I could probably show you this on face Facebook now. Um, in fact, I shouldn't really show Facebook because of data protection, but we we kind of. Our plan, really, at the moment, yeah. is to build basically build a club and the ultimate DJ booth 
and we've just spent an absolute fortune on lighting to make it look like a mini Las Vegas. I like it, <laughs> I like it. Um, I'd, I'd actually show you a clip now, yeah. but um, let's have... I'll I, have I a look mean, online. If you go on our, our Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. we, we're going to be posting it anyway, so... Mm. Excellent. And then, so, 80 to 125, did you say? Yep. I think that that's a good... Intimate. Yeah, kind of like my, my idea was, like, boiler room meets Emmerdale. Uh, <laughs> meets Emmerdale. Random, but, yeah, all right then. <laughs> that, I roll with that. That That's our thing. And yeah. to, be, to be fair as well, there's a lot of hotels around here. Yeah. Um, so, there's, like, the Malt House, um, where you can stay for, like, I think it's about 70 quid a night, and it's mm. a really nice... Yeah. place and and you know what i mean and that that was kind of our idea but we only op- we, we we actually only open 14 um nights a year right at the moment uh we were going to go for a full-time license but there's no sense in doing that i'd rather keep it a bit more exclusive and- well people come for an experience man that's yeah. what it is i think you were saying about hotels not being there i think it would be very good if if you did 14 nights a year and you yeah. made them special where people yeah. will come from out of town and it becomes an experience. I don't know if yeah. that's that's financially well, doable my, or not, but it, it's it, an idea. I mean, my, my, my sort of concept is to do things that are unique, um, that you can't get anywhere else, mm-hmm. and maybe theme nights um, that, that, that we do. I mean, like to concentrate on the music side, the radio side would be sort of standardised, but actually just do mad things like Kevin and Perry theme. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That kind. Of, I've always had. I've always been into like theme nights. You know what I mean? And and doing things that are sort of like you know without breaking the bank. Um, sort of like I've always been into like you know. Bear in mind, like I played for Garlands on the bolts and mm-hmm. and stuff. And like I've always liked the idea when I when I used to go watch uh, Dave Booth, who my my late mate um, Dave Booth um, in Garlands. And I used to pick him up from there, and I'd go in there for two hours. And like you walk in, and there's someone dressed as a tin of spam. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and I always like that, and like uh, the the whole just you remember it, don't you? It does say it's more of an experience than it is a night out. Yep. Do you know? Does that make sense? Like, yep. I like these these ones yeah. where um, I've seen a couple of them kicking around, but like the, the advertisers like weekenders. But it's essentially some promoters hired out a mansion in the lakes, for instance. It's like 60 people max. Yep. You turn up and it's a weekend and it, it is only 60 people. It's not, you're not like, it's not massively like, it's not, it's not like a festival or anything, but it's just 60 people having a good time and it's an experience. And if you were there, you were there. That's yep. it. If you weren't there, you missed out. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've seen a couple of them kicking around. Well, I, I mean that's our um, that's our slogan actually. Mm-hmm. Like you see Northern Rave scene on the mm. wall, um, which it's uh, you, like I said, you had to be there. Yeah, which that's is it. yeah. You know, that's our thing. That's our uh, slogan. It, it gives off a very very old school vibe. Like it's like like nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's it, isn't it? It's like it's like almost like a phone call. Where's this rave at? Right, we'll go there and it's it's just if you were there you experienced it yeah i'm not saying there's no mobiles or anything like that but it will be be more intimate and and you're just present with the people we we, we ban mobile we, mm. we actually ban phones mm. so that's what i mean yeah it's more it's more yeah. it's more intimate and you, you have to turn in the phone up. if you caught me phone it's uh it gets thrown in the uh the river <laughs> i like that we've not we've not had to do that yet but uh yeah i like that but um, it's it's something that's different, and it's it's. I think a lot of I've seen a lot of promoters try and go for this this 
no phones policy and make it feel authentic. You see, people have a better night out when they're not they're not worried about someone secretly recording yep. them, or they're, yeah. not, they're not stuck into the phone themselves. Do you, do you know yeah. what? That's a really good point you made there. Mm. It's like, I, I, like I said, again, do you know, like I said, I, I hate the old idea where where you you you, you, you kind of like you go for a night out, you kind of want to lose your inhibitions mm. and and like you, but you can't anymore because you're worried somebody's going to like go and. You become a viral clip. And, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's what it yeah. is. I've, I've never thought of it that way, actually. Yeah. Like, like, I've seen mad things in the past, but it's always stuff that you're always worried, like, oh, I hope someone's not recorded that because, like, they're, they're obviously, the person who's done it's obviously going to be a bit offended by it that they've been recorded. And as well, they're only having a good time. Yeah. As long as they're not a bit, like, incriminating, that, that, it's fine. Problem is, though, like I said, that, that, that kind of thing can ruin somebody's life. It's, mm. um, you know, it's horrible, actually, to, to an extent. Mm. Like I said, there, there's a difference. I mean, like I said, something that, that bugs me in life at the moment is um, the term banter. And people think banter, people confuse banter with, you know, being a cunt. Be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I knew you wanted to say yeah. it, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Be, between, you know, I said, people, you know, oh, and no. there's so many people like that. And yeah. It's a horrible... Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of it. There's, I don't think it's as present in the music scene as, as, as maybe it once was. Yeah. But... I get it, yeah. Um, it's it seems to be a lot in like workplaces and a lot of like uh, blue collar type things. Uh, I, I could go into a story, but I'm not going to because <laughs> I'll be in trouble. But I'll tell you off off the pod. Um, anyways, um, yeah, I want to get into your radio days. Yeah. I've noticed you're what, a good talker. Do, can I get so... a quick break? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, no problem. Yeah. Give me like two minutes, and we'll uh, you can no do problem. your ad. We'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 